everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fitness Candor, Fitness Candor Podcast. It's a tongue twister sometimes. I am your host, Eric Feigl, as always, and I'm joined today by someone who I greatly admire and respect and who I uh, honestly can't believe I'm talking to again, which um, I know he'll make it seem like it's not a big deal, but to me it is. Uh, Mr. Gary Bannister, who is the author of uh, one of my favorite books that I have on my nightstand. It's called In Arthur's Shadow, and another book that I also own called If You Like Exercise, Chances Are You're Doing It Wrong. And his third book that I, I don't yet own, but I guarantee I will, and we'll probably talk a little bit about it, is called Golf Performance Training, What They Won't Tell You. Um, I, As everybody knows, I'm a strong believer in, in true principles of strength training, and I think uh, one of the reasons is directly because of uh, of Gary. So, Mr. Bannister, thank you so much for being on the show and taking time out of your busy day. I appreciate it. Well, thanks very much, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here, an honor to be here. And uh, uh, again, uh, just as I may have influenced you, I was influenced by uh, by Arthur Jones, and that uh, that can't be any better than that. So, in terms oh, of high intensity strength training, it's absolutely so. Yeah, pleasure so, to be here. It's awesome, and and you kind of led us right into it. Uh, so, is art the reason why you got into strength training, or give us a little bit of background of how you first came to to know exercise in general and go from there? Well, Arthur Jones was not actually. Um, at the age of fourteen, I was a uh, kind of athletic, and uh, uh, I, I probably hinted to my dad to uh, that I maybe wanted a set of barbells, and I have no idea where that came from. But I just wanted to make myself strong and. Uh, golf was my major interest at that time, even though I've been playing hockey since I was five years old. But um, so I I uh, got a set of barbells from from Sears uh, for Christmas uh, when I was fourteen, and uh, started lifting weights uh, according to the, uh, uh, the information that was sent to me, and, and it wasn't much. Uh, went down to the basement and just slugged away a hundred and ten pound set of barbells. And that was probably enough at the time, but. Uh, I later bought a few more plates, and uh, I also, within the first month or two, I ordered uh, from Weeder of Canada, which was uh, Ben Weeder, Joe Weeder's brother, who ran that show. Uh, I ordered uh, a set of his, his uh, you know, strength-building courses for the, of the champions kind of thing, and I put up uh, six charts on the wall in the basement, and the uh, basement was pretty crude, and I eventually bought a little bench and uh, got started that way, and uh, I never missed a session. I did it three times a week. And why I, why it was three, I don't know. I think I used to do about three sets of everything, just as just they said by the book. And um, uh, I, I, did, I didn't miss a session for 15 years, uh, not only in my basement, but wherever I was. I got a, I got a habit going with that. But uh, okay. uh, at some point, uh, yeah, when I when I got to college and I, and I got uh, I went to McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, they had nothing for strength training. Basically, uh, I was. Uh, they had a, a room that was probably uh, could could pass as a, as a men's bathroom. It was about that big. I uh, hardly had any equipment in it at all. Even though we were a major university of twelve thousand students, we had a football team and big hockey program and everything else. No one lifted weights, so they had no facility basically other than this you know uh, closet strength room. And uh, the only guys that were in there uh, were uh, I, I met a sprinter in there. He'd come in about once a month to say hello and. Uh, I was in there three times a week, and 
the exercise physiologist that uh, uh, that was my exercise physiologist there, Dr. Digby Sale, who's done quite a bit of research in this field. Uh, he was a three-time Canadian champion of the rings, uh, and he was in there. So I struck up a nice a relationship with him. He got me interested in the physiology of the whole thing. And uh, during the the final year of my graduation, uh, he actually, uh, in, in a very excitable fashion, which was not his, his style, uh, he invited me to his office. And he was all pumped up about something, and he had actually received in the mail uh, some information from Nautilus and uh, about what uh, was called then a, a thinking man's barbell, which was basically the Nautilus pullover machine, and and it had a picture, a few pictures of uh, Boyer Coe and and uh, some of the uh, bodybuilders there, and and uh, these promo photos of uh, you know some beautiful women as well. Anyway. Uh, he was so excited about this equipment that uh, it got me got me kind of going. And uh, actually, about uh, two weeks before I graduated, uh, he uh, invited me down to the basement of the, of the school and uh, introduced me to the uh, Nautilus uh, plate-loaded pullover machine, which oh, was wow. unbelievable. And he no put me kidding. on that thing. <laughs> put me on that thing. I had no idea what it was, and I didn't didn't understand that much about it because I didn't have the literature. And... Uh, uh, it just felt pretty good, and uh, I didn't know much about it. But uh, then I got graduated and uh, went, went to uh, graduate school in University of North Carolina in Greensboro and um, graduated there and got a job at the, at uh, Avery College in Danville, Virginia, 1972. And in 73, uh, there was a Nautilus gym opened up in Danville, and uh, one of the other teachers invited me to go in for a workout. He was a member. And, uh, you know, since I heard the name and heard that it was in town, I just bolted in there. I was in pretty good shape at the time. I, I was lifting pretty heavy and, and uh, going at it. And uh, I did, uh, I think I got through three exercises and halfway through the fourth, it was the pullover machine. And uh, I, I basically had to bail out and go to the bathroom. Um, oh, you vomited for quite a while. <laughs> uh, it was a leg extension. It was a leg extension leg press, the compound leg machine. And uh, that that blew me out. And then when I hit the floor from that, my my legs buckled, which really ticked me off, because I was doing some fairly heavy squats. And then I jumped on the leg curl machine, more determined, and did did a set of that. And the fourth exercise was a um, was a pullover machine. I did about three or four repetitions on that thing, and, and I I basically got sick, and uh, I could not continue. I couldn't continue, and it, it blew me out for the rest of the day. And I thought, God, unbelievable! I was a phys ed teacher. And in great shape, I, I was running, you know, seven, ten miles three times a week as, besides the lifting. And uh, it, it just, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I said, hey, and probably, I'm missing something. I'm missing well, that something here. That probably took you all of, all of how, I mean, how many minutes were you doing those exercises? Probably oh, five. About five, yeah. About five yeah. total, yeah. The, the guy in there only had about ten machines. And uh, he was one of these guys who was mi- kind of mixing protein drinks in between in between my exercise and, and laughing at me because he knew it was going to happen. Which, uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's my introduction to it, and and that caught my attention, obviously. And then I started to, I, I he had some literature there, so I purchased the uh, uh, Nautilus uh, Training Principles Bullet Number One from him, and Bullet Number Two, and uh, I still have them to this day, and and it it really. Oh, wow changed my thinking about the entire thing and uh that's basically how I got hooked up with Arthur so 
that's so from from there, and that's that's an awesome story. And the fact that the person had so many pieces right away is pretty amazing too. Um, yeah. So, so from there on, did you start working with clients and teaching those principles right away, or how long did it take you to to, to realize that well, everybody knew the, what? Well, the, the university college I was at, Avery College in Danville, had no no equipment at all. It was a, mainly a girls' school before I got there, and uh, they brought me in to start up the men's program. And uh, so I coached basketball and soccer and golf and uh, women's golf as well. And uh, we were trying to get to get into the Dixie Conference, which was a big conference in the area, and we eventually did that in four years. But uh, we had no uh, no facility at all. Uh, there was a, a few barbells I found in a, in a closet again, and... Um, I did a little bit of stuff with the basketball team there, but uh, we just didn't have the right setup. So uh, anyway, and, and I, I couldn't I couldn't figure out anything to do with the Nautilus uh, guy in terms of having the team go over there and stuff. And it was all kind of new. Uh, anyway, uh, I went to um, I met a girl there at school, and she lived in Caracas, Venezuela, and. and uh, after four years at Avert, I went to Caracas for, as a as a tourist and. I ended up um, marrying this girl and, and got hired by uh, the high school down there. And it was the biggest high school in the city of 5 million people. It was the only, only American high school. So I, I taught physical education for four years there and saved enough money to basically to buy some novice equipment. I, I, it was in the back of my mind that I want to start a gym with this equipment. So oh, wow. I, I actually, yeah, I actually started a gym up in Caracas, Venezuela, and ran it for 10 years. And uh, and that's basically when I started applying the principles and and everything. And uh, I ran it strictly for ten years. I, I didn't let uh, anyone come in and just wander around. Uh, everything was controlled and uh, the way it should have been. And uh, because the labor was cheap, I had as many as ten or fifteen instructors on the floor at any one time. So everyone that walked in there got got attention. Um, it wasn't right. any no no, per, no personal training, but. Uh, someone would grab you at the door and say, "Okay, let's go." We we try to pound them through a, a fairly quick. Uh, hard workout, and uh, I got, uh, you know, I, I earned the respect of a lot of people over there, and uh, had the Venezuelan Golf Federation, in fact, uh, have me, uh, contacted me to train their their uh, male and female teams for the World World, Am- World Team Amateur Championship in 1986, and um, plus that, I trained a lot of, uh, uh, they had the um, Pan Am Games there in Caracas, 1983. And my business partner uh, held every record in basketball in that country for years. He was one of my mm-hmm. um, uh teachers. Uh, so, uh, you know, one of my uh, my uh, uh, peers. So uh, we we set up that gym, and uh, and we had a lot of uh, a lot of success with it, and, and a lot of uh, interest. Unfortunately, uh, the country of Venezuela wasn't the best place to do things. The, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 federations there, all the sports federations were were pretty much uh, corrupt, and uh, they had, even though they had the, the um, Pan Am games there and all, all sorts of things, it was, uh, they had no interest in, in uh, feeding money into the athletic program at all, so even though we, we made a feeble attempt to uh, get some of the athletes to train for those events, um, it was it was kind of, uh, you know, foregone conclusion, but uh, so that's, that's basically it. I, I remember reading in I can't remember which one of the books is. I think it might be in uh, Arthur's Shadow. You mentioned someone walking into that gym and kind of acting like he's Mr. Hot Stuff, and then you're like, "Okay, right. well, we'll do we'll do a set of pull-ups." And he's like, "Okay," but then after you know 
the the super strict slow holding holding the um the top motion and slow negative motion he was he was you know wiped out and i think yeah. uh, i think that yeah. that train of thought that uh, anybody can be broken kind of thing is pretty interesting to me yeah this guy came in and he was uh, he was bragging about um uh, you know how many chin ups he did every weekend in the park and 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 uh, pull ups and then and dips you know three hundred dips and this is easy and this is stupid or whatever so um and he he looked kind of uh, fat and heavy to me but uh, anyway i he he made the mistake of uh, jumping on one of my machines and and ripping out a few uh, uh dips you know you know fast dips uh without my permission and uh so uh i said okay let's let's see if we can do one chin up one so i said 60 <laughs> seconds up 60 seconds down and yeah. uh this guy said i said take your jacket off buddy you're going to sweat a little bit here so uh anyway at the time i spoke kind of broken spanish so i i thought he probably thought the gringo didn't know what he was doing but um anyway i got him up there and he he did uh he probably did about 35 seconds worth in total and uh, and he just landed on the floor, grabbing his arms. He couldn't believe it. I said, "Well, you know, you can do one, or you can do three hundred, whatever you want to do." <laughs> and, and, and actually, yeah, and actually, I had no barbells in that gym. I didn't want any barbells in that gym. I had I had uh, twenty five machines, and eventually bought uh, eleven more. But uh, it was just all machines, no barbells. I had a couple of bikes to warm up with. So it was kind of crude, and, and what we did was the Nautilus system, and that was it, and nothing else. So, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't care about these uh, bodybuilder guys. I had about 30 of them come in the first year, and I didn't want them to be members anyway because, you know, they wouldn't uh, – they, they'd be yeah. more policing than, than anything else, as you probably have found as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a different type of breed of person, uh, different style of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. mentioned warm-up, which I, I jotted down some notes because I'm, I'm starting to get into um, – Doing more research on uh, you know proper warm up styles. What what are your thoughts on warm ups, uh, warm up sets, and warm up exercises? And and uh, have you taught that it's not not really necessary to do um, a quote unquote traditional warm up set where you might you know bang out whatever fifty percent of what you're going to do for twelve to fifteen reps? Do you think the the muscles are okay under load right away? Yeah, I, I think they're under a load right away. Uh, yeah, I, I remember true. Arthur saying you can you can walk out of a, a deep freeze and, and go right to the starting line, and uh, it's certainly in strength training as long as you do the first three or four repetitions uh, slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that basically is your warm up for the for the ten or twelve repetitions you'll eventually get. So right. I don't know that. Uh, besides, let's say you, you you decide to warm up by riding a bike for five minutes and then go into the strength training. Well. Um, Sure, you got a little circulation going. You feel a little bit looser, all that kind of stuff. And there's some psychological value to that. But, but let's say you you hit a, a chest press. You you have your chest certainly isn't warmed up right. uh, from riding a bike. And so, uh, I I think it's uh, overdone in terms of that. And it, as far as doing a lighter set to start with, I think it's a waste of time. I, I think, think so too. It's already been. Yeah. I think so too. I think if, I mean the, you know the the, the research shows that. The, the first three, uh, well, not the first three, the first rep of every set is going to be, you know, your most dangerous. So keeping it slow yeah. and controlled right away is going to be the way to go, right? So first, those first three reps, people who think they can sit down on, you know, said chest, chest press machine and just hammer away at, 
15, 12 to 15 repetitions or whatever that, you know, the numbers call for, the, the load times call for, those first three repetitions should be enough to get to the point where you're at 12 to 15 reps and you are smoked. You know, you're, you're done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that, this kind of brings me, uh, back to, to something you mentioned earlier. You were doing it, uh, by the books, you said, when you first started that three, three set, uh, repetition, or excuse me, three, three sets of, uh, exercise. Do you, yeah. do you still adhere to that, or do you feel that it's oh. yeah, so maybe no, a one, one or two one, set now? One set. I don't even do two. Uh, yeah. uh, now, granted, most most people, including motivated uh, athletes, uh, are, are probably not capable of of uh, going to failure, at least on their own or anywhere, even being pushed. They don't don't have that concept to start with. So um, uh, that doesn't justify the fact that we're going to do two sets. Uh, I tell them right off the bat, hey, we're, we're doing one set. You got one crack at this thing, dig in. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that changes the whole philosophy. If you, if you tell the guy, hey, we're going to do ten sets of this exercise, then, then the guy's going to dot the first nine. You know that. That's human right. nature. <laughs> so yeah. um, you just say, hey, we've got one chance, and, and we're not coming back here. So dig in. Give it to me and all. It's, so. And it's not just the positive phase, the negative phase. If it's not more important, it's just as important. I really tell people, especially at the very beginning of the exercise, you know, hey, focus on that negative, that negative repetition. Really feel it going down. Keep a nice, smooth, controlled um, sure. flow of pattern through through the motion. And at the very end, you, you know, first of all, your positive is going to be your weakest point, especially towards the end of the exercise. That that negative Absolutely. is going to get you way more at the very end anyway. So mm-hmm. if you can if you can maximize both of them, then you know why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, as a, as a trainer, you you can if you've got the right equipment and the right spacing and everything else, uh, you can you can take somebody that's uh, just finishing a set and, and you know they can't lift it anymore to to uh, help them lift a little bit to, to go through a couple more repetitions by helping them lift. And then uh, maybe even pressing against them as they lower because uh, of internal muscle friction. You've got you've got a heck of a lot of uh, breaking going on as you're lowering the weight. So uh, right. the person will be surprised at how much he can resist your push uh, on a negative uh, uh, repetition there. So yeah, all the way through, I, I, and yeah, and especially with um, well, depending on the equipment, like you said, but that's. Especially when you hit the when you hit those legs, you get on those legs, and your trainer calls for for two more reps, and you think that that that's it, it's over. Like, I got nothing left in me, but that just a yeah. little bit of assistance, you know, you take just a little bit. If they're assisting that motion going up, it's funny because you and you've witnessed this. And you got a client who is just, you know, they think they're smoked. Like oh, I can't. This is it. You're doing all the work, but in reality, I mean, their muscles may be feeling like hellfire. But in reality, yeah. the trainer is not doing that much work in the assistance part. It's just a couple of pounds, maybe. And it's it's hard for people to believe. And it's hard to get that across to them, too, that they're still doing most of the work and they have to push through that. But, um, yeah. but that's... Uh, most, I think you, that's you'll, only, you'll only get a handful of clients that'll even go that far, I think. And, right. And yeah. if they understand the physiology and the reasons why what you're doing, then yeah. it's a little bit more doable. But... Uh, Yep, it's hard to get anyone to to that kind of a phase. I don't know whether you read that article uh, about uh, 
the experiment Arthur did where he actually measured internal muscle friction and he used Jim Flanagan as his as his subject. Uh, I wrote about that in my first book, I believe, and, and probably mentioned it in my second. I'm not sure. But uh, where they... Yeah, where, where Arthur would say he wanted to find out what happened to the muscle uh, after after someone failed. You know, he wanted to take it beyond that to actually see what happened physiologically. And uh, he was still trying to understand why, um, the, the reasons why it was possible to lower 40% more weight than you can lift under normal conditions. And uh, so he, it took him, I think, 13, 17 years, I believe, to, to find it out. And he found it out finally with his experiment with Jim Flanagan, where Jim was motivated uh, and um, and a reliable subject. So they actually tied him to uh, what was what was basically an isokinetic machine, a motorized machine, because it was the only thing that could measure some things. And, and when Jim ran out of steam, they had to have the motor going to, to lift his leg up and, and help yeah. him. Uh, so they uh, they set it up with, uh, and Jim had been on this thing for quite a while, so he was very good at it. And uh, on the screen in front of him was some kind of a chart that he would keep his, his effort within a certain range or parameter. And uh, in this particular day, uh, I didn't see the experiment, but I, I heard the video on it and uh, was explained to me. Uh, they did. I think Jim did 12 or 13 repetitions on his own, keeping the uh, his force right right in the middle of the of where he was supposed to there. And then when he uh, and I think positive and negative strength dropped off. They measured every repetition, both up and down. It dropped off uh, gradually and and fairly quickly as he got into the 10th, 11th, 12th repetition there. And then um, what they saw was uh, after after that the uh, Jim was instructed uh, to push against the pad as hard as he could on the way up, even though the motor was, was going at a certain slow speed there, and then resist as hard as he could coming down after that. And what they mm-hmm. saw on the screen was interesting, and I think Arthur probably suspected, he just couldn't measure it in the, in the past experiments, was that the uh, lifting strength went, went down the toilet very, very quickly, just zoomed down to, to about zero after the yep. 12, 13, 14th repetition. And then the uh, the negative strength started rising, and that was due to the buildup of internal muscle friction um, in in the last. He went to 25 repetitions, I believe, in total. So oh they did God. 12 or 13 repetitions with with six guys screaming at him. And, um, and Jim Jim said he he couldn't walk for I think it was two weeks. Uh, he, he could. He was a freak too. Yeah. <laughs> And Jim, oh. Jim was a pretty big man, so anyway. Yeah, he was a So that was, that was interesting, and of course that, that excited Arthur because he finally measured what he had thought he, uh, you know, what his, his initial thought was on that uh, 17 years ago, so. That's impressive. If people, you know, I, I hear a lot when, this, for some reason this just brings to mind the, the leg extension machine and about how, how so many people are against the leg extension machine, even though it's one of the best, Machines yeah. for quad development, um, mm-hmm. and it, you know, used improperly, any machine or piece of equipment you give somebody is going to be dangerous, you know. But mm-hmm. but used yeah. properly, especially with that that negative focus, is you you can't get injured. You can't get injured doing proper strength training if you if you know what you're doing and you're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I always totally give, I always give the I always give the the leg extension as an example because so many people say, well, you know, my uh, whoever, my, um, let's just say 
physical therapist, even though I know not all physical therapists are equal. Um, my physical therapist says this is one of the worst exercises I could do. And I just try to, yeah. to explain, I just want them to explain to me why. And then, you know, we get into more detail, but I, I just point to every machine that we were just on and I'll just tell them that used improperly, this used improperly. <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. anything. But, you know, obviously, Flanagan was able to walk again. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've heard uh, the same thing from physical therapists. They're, they're kind of against the leg extension. Because they're coming in from a totally different angle than than we are, and uh, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. How how can you maximize the strength of your quadriceps if you don't isolate that muscle and use a leg extension machine? I don't think you can. Obviously, there's there's certain people, certain cases where, hey, you know, every time they get on the thing, it irritates them because they have a certain condition, sure, maybe sure, constellation sure. or something like that, and uh, some. So it's contrary to case for some people, but for most people. Um, but but like you said, uh, most most trainers and yeah. um, and most therapists are, are against it, and and so it's now an evil machine, and that's yeah. the perception of the general public, which is which is wrong. I yeah. think so too. Well, that kind of that brings me to my my next question. I know we're uh, wrapping up on time here. We've already covered a lot, but speaking of the general public, who needs, in your opinion, and I think I already know the answer, but. Who needs, in your opinion, who needs this style of strength training uh, minus, you know, intensity levels? Who is it for? This is just something I like to hit on because this is kind of the whole point of the podcast is to get this general consensus across that we all need it and it should be for uh, everyone. In your opinion, who should be using this style of strength training and why? Well, just like you said, I think everyone should. Uh, it's efficient. It's effective. Uh, you don't have to live in the gym to, to get something out of it. Um, the only negative on it, Eric, and, and, and it's not a negative other than the perception again, is that uh, it, it kind of goes against human nature. It's, it's tough when you're burning, like you said, uh, during a leg extension or any exercise when you think, hey, this is enough. I'm out of here. Um, it's, it's hard to, to get somebody or get even a self-motivated person to uh, to push beyond that and uh, push to a point where they absolutely cannot move it with a with a hundred percent effort, not an eighty-six percent effort. So, um, so it, 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 in terms of safety and everything else, uh, it's it's appropriate for anyone at any age. Um, my my recent fifteen years have probably been training older an older population. Uh, some of my clients are in their eighties, upper eighties and nineties, and. Uh, Still, at that point, because there's some there's some medical issues and things going on, uh, some people possibly shouldn't work real hard, and you've got yeah. to recognize that. But uh, the same thing applies: is that is that if you can, and, and you can motivate anyone, uh, if you can just get one or two more repetitions out of somebody, regardless of their medical condition, um, I, I think you're fine. I think you're fine. I think it's pretty safe, and it'll certainly give them better results. With an older crowd, as you know, you, they probably don't build muscle or um, as well as a, a younger crowd, but um, it's, it's still appropriate. What, what do people die from nowadays? Lack of mobility. And a lot of that relates to uh, being able to lift themselves out of a chair or lift themselves out of bed or to get up and move their yep. body weight around. And if their legs aren't, aren't there, heck, a lot of the older people just come in and ride a bike thinking, oh, it's going to make my legs strong and I'll be okay. And they right. avoid the weights at all and that's a big mistake big mistake and what's funny is you know it's like they 
to get to the to get to the gym, it's um, going from laying in a bed to sitting at a table eating breakfast to sitting in a chair tying a shoe to sitting in a mm-hmm. car, and then they go and sit on a bike. <laughs> and it's that long pattern, and it's uh, it's it's partially from what we've been fed. I think over uh, a few decades now of how important cardiovascular health is, and but what I think is missing from that is that people can benefit from, and this is going to lead us down a whole other podcast topic, but the benefits that people can get cardiovascular-wise from strength mm-hmm. training. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, there there are plenty of stats out there that, that support that, and um, if you've done it properly, then you definitely know that your cardiovascular is getting worked, especially if you sustain it. And it doesn't take, you know, an hour on the elliptical or treadmill or a two mm-hmm. mile run to get you up there. It doesn't take that and it doesn't need to be like that. You get you in, you get out, and you keep going. Right. Well I, I think that again the problem is that, that the the average person is just too lazy to do it. And uh yeah. even when even when they become informed, you know, you say, Hey, here's a bunch of research that supports what I'm saying here. Um you know, there's a lot of people just aren't interested in lifting weight because it, it sounds so dull. And that's yeah. again why why some of these uh, you know, play-like activities are appearing in gyms because uh, trainers are now trying to make it fun, you know. Right. So when it's fun, it, it doesn't do you much good either, so. You know, if uh, changing the oil in my truck was fun, I'd probably do it a lot more often. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something you, you got to do it. You, you got to do it. You know, yeah. there's some days I wake up, like, tomorrow, I know I'm going to kick my ass. And I, am I looking forward to it? Yes, I, I might be weird, but I'm looking forward to getting a workout in. But sometimes I'm not looking forward to that just downright ass-kicking that I'm going to give myself or I'm going to have another trainer give me. Because I, I yeah. know that it's hard, and, you know, there are times in the back of my mind, your body's like, yeah, you're good. You, you're done. But, man, it takes <laughs> something special to dig for, like, one or two more reps so until, like, the weight just can't be moved yeah. anymore. And you're really trying to move it, not just like a sandbag movement, you know. You're, yeah. you're seriously trying to push some weight. That's... Yeah, I remember Arthur saying one time, he said, you, you bring me a motivated athlete, one, one guy that may, may have an injury and he's got, uh, you know, a million dollar contract on the line and in a month he's got to get himself in shape to pass the physical or, or just some guy that's really motivated to, to work hard. And he said, I, I could show him, uh, uh, how to do things and, and push him through a couple of workouts and, and give him all the instructions he needs. And then if you left him by himself, in the gym, okay, yeah. here, you got my gym, you come in three times a week and do this, whatever, and the guy just pumped up to, up to crazy to, to do this stuff. Arthur said uh, he might fail on his own uh, maybe maybe once or twice out of 12, 12 exercises, which was the Nautilus system at the time. He said right. it's just too damn hard to do. So, And I can see it that. Is. We're all human beings. Yeah, it's tough. It is that, that's that's the role of the trainers, right? Basically, is, is not to sit there and babysit and and to make up a nice little routine for this person. It's basically to to push somebody toward the end of his set. So, I think yeah. that's our, and, our major role. Yeah. Yep, and keep keep them safe while doing it and doing it the right way. I think we hit on um, on everything that that we should have. I mean, that's there's. In a, in a broad spectrum, there might be a lot to it scientifically, but when it comes down to it, there's only one way to do it, and, uh, and I think we drove that home. Yeah, there's one. There's one best way to do it. I think uh, 
Sure. Uh, I, get a lot of, sure. I get a lot of trainers saying, well, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. Yeah, but there's, only, there's maybe only one best way. And certainly yeah. if you can, you can spend a, an hour total per week versus uh, three hours total per week, it, it, that makes a big difference. It's a better way. Oh, simpler. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, if you tell me, hey, you're going to spend uh, six hours a week in the gym uh, or or you're going to spend a total of 90 minutes in the gym a week, but mm-hmm. it's going to suck. Uh, yeah. you're, I'm, for me, I'm going to want to, I don't, I want to get on with it. I want to get on with everything else. You're, and I've said this a thousand <laughs> times and I'm probably going to get catch heat for it because I say it all of the time, but what happens in the gym should just help you on the outside of the gym. I mean, that's, you know, your life shouldn't be inside the gym, in my opinion, even though I'm yeah. there 12 hours a day <laughs> the way it is, yeah. but, uh, it's, you know. But I don't have to tell you that. Well, I, I remember Jones talking about bodybuilders. He worked with bodybuilders in the early '70s until I think he got bored with the whole, the whole group. But uh, uh, he said that um, if uh, if the average bodybuilder cut his workout in half, I think this is bulletin number one or two. Because uh, yeah. you know, he used to ask these guys, "Hey, what do you what do you do?" The guy would write down this large sheet of paper, three sets of this, whatever. Uh, Arthur, Arthur said, if you if you cut this in half, just cut the paper in half, and did half of what you're doing, he said your results are probably triple. You know, so yeah, same idea. Yeah, it's less less actual. Um, the amount of work is cut in half, but the intensity is amped yeah. way up. Yep. Yeah, and if the intensity right. is high, then then the duration has to be lower. That's any physical that activity has that component has to be. There's, there's no other way. There's no other way. You're not. Yeah, they're what I what I say in my book. They're they're mutually exclusive. If you have one, yep. you cannot have the other. So. And my my choice is intensity. Yeah. Yep. I agree. High five. <laughs> so hey, Gary, I I appreciate the time, and I know everybody else there else out there does too. And um, uh, we're gonna have to do this again. We'll maybe pick a, a couple of topics out of a book or something, and just and uh, hammer away at it. There's there's so much more I want to talk about, but I know people. Well, it'd be, a, it'd be a pleasure. It'd be a pleasure to talk again, Eric, on any topic you'd like to. Not, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we have some, and uh, that's right. Uh, if, if, well, you know, if it'll help people with results, that's the key. So. And the, well, the best thing is that we have the right answers. <laughs> well, we think we do. Yeah, we hope we do. <laughs> we, we certainly uh, have some research and stories to back it up. So, so, yeah, uh, exactly. All right, Gary. Hey, have a great rest of your day, and uh, okay. I'll talk to you very I appreciate soon. it. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much, Eric. Take care. All bye right, bye. bye.